Hey Anna, remember that time a Nazi saved thousands of Jewish lives? Time and historical podcast. I am your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all of their favorite moments in history. And this week, we are going to be talking about Oscar Schindler of the famous Schindler's List. Yes. It's going to be very interesting. Great um, movie. Heads up, we're talking about World War II. We're going to be talking a lot about the Holocaust. So if that is not your jam, this is not going to be your episode, and that is fine. Yeah, totally understandable. Just just a fair warning. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be for real, for real. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it will. Um, Would you like a drink update? But of course. Okay. So before we started recording, I was telling you how I'm in, like, full fall mode right now, and I understand uh-huh. that it's still August, and I know it's still summer, and I know it's still hot in a lot of places. I don't care <laughs> it's my, fall in our hearts it's fall in my heart the weather in pittsburgh has started to feel a little more fallish like the humidity is gone and it's mm-hmm. like you know today it's very like rainy and misty and my apartment is fully decorated i don't feel bad <laughs> about it so in that same vein i am drinking a mckenzie's pumpkin jack hard cider Ooh-hoo-hoo. it is so good she fancy it tastes like i'm i it tastes like pumpkin pie almost i was gonna say does it taste like pumpkin juice like from harry potter yes that's exactly what it tastes like okay yes i was trying to find it and i haven't tasted pumpkin juice in a long time but that's exactly what it tastes like i have an aggressively vivid memory of the taste of pumpkin juice so like i can feel it that's what it was i couldn't i couldn't like find the words to put those together but that's exactly what it tastes like except nice. it's alcoholic it's so good nice and i'm i'm it. drinking water i'm shocked <laughs> gotta stay hydrated when i gotta talk a lot <laughs> so surprised <laughs> all right well should we get started then let's do it I'm going to be um, Duchess of Things I Can't Pronounce this week because it's <laughs> did you all... Say, I'm sorry. Did you say Duchess of Things I Can't Pronounce? Yes. That's, that's your you new title. You said that episodes ago and it's one of my favorite things I you've did? ever said. Yes. It's I... one of my favorite things we've ever said. Don't remember saying that. But... Oh, it's the best. Oh, wow. I'm so clever. Or maybe I said it in response to something you said. I don't know, but it's one of my favorites. I'm going to go um, ahead and take But everything is it. German and Polish this week, so yeah. I'm not going to be able to say any of it. I'm taking credit for Duchess of Things I Can't Pronounce. (laughs) All right. So Oscar Schindler is born on April 28th, 1908 to Johann Schindler and Franziska Lusser? Sure. In, oh God. Nope. (laughs) Zwitu? I have no idea. Great. Moravia in Austria-Hungary. Hungary. God almighty, it's bad. We're off to a great start. Yeah, which is now in Czechoslovakia, which I can say. <laughs> yes, which is well, the no Czech longer, Republic. Yeah, no longer Czechoslovakia. Wow. It becomes Czechoslovakia in this story. <laughs> yes. Um, he has one sister, Elfriede. I'm um, going to say And Elfride. his family are ethnically German, but they are living in what will be Czechoslovakia pretty sure. soon. Got it. Um, after finishing primary and secondary schooling, Schindler starts attending a technical school. He's expelled in 1924 because he had been forging his report cards. Oh. 
This is a pattern that will continue for <laughs> most of his life. He does a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that just now. We'll get yeah. there, I'm sure. Um, he will later graduate, but he never takes the exam that will let him go to college. Mm. Uh, instead, he just starts taking, like, trade classes. Because he wants to enter some kind of work field. Oh, trade. He takes, like, a bunch <laughs> of different trade classes. Um, during this time, he's working for his father, who owns a business that makes farm machinery. Okay, got it. On March 6th, 1928, he marries Emily Plezel? Sure. I don't know. I'm just going to accept any pronunciation you give me. Great, same. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Germans and Austrians. We don't yeah, know what we're doing. Yeah, it's so bad. And we and are Polish. German. A lot of Polish in this as well. Yeah, we are German. We we don't speak it. Yeah. <laughs> um. After they get married, they move in with Schindler's parents, and they live with them for, I think I read, like, seven years. Wow. While, they, while he's jumping around between jobs for a while. That wasn't that uncommon, though. No, Lots that's of that's a long time. Yeah. Um, shortly after his marriage, he stops working for his father and works several other jobs. He's jumping around a lot. He works at Moravian Ele- Electrotechnic and then later opens and manages his own driving school, which is buck wild. Don't know that I would trust that. <laughs> I, oh, he does, he tries and fails at so many business ventures, this man. <laughs> he, he's, mm. oh, no, Amanda, he's an entrepreneur. He sure, Isn't he, that what we say now? I'm an sure is. <laughs> uh, Schindler serves in the Czech army for 18 months and earns the rank of Lance, Lance Corporal, which will be ironic shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at 1931, he starts working at a bank in Prague, and he actually holds this job for about seven years. Wow. So we don't need to worry about his work for a minute. For another seven years. Great. We're going to worry about it. some of his other work okay. for a little bit. That sounds promising. Uh-huh. In 1931 and 32, Schindler is arrested for public drunkenness several times. Oh. So we're just building a picture of this man. Normally in these episodes, we talk about people... That we like? <laughs> well, I wouldn't Not necessarily always. say like. Not always. In some respects, admire. Yes. Um, but, but not entirely. He's not a great person. No. I mean, he's a Nazi. We'll yeah. get there. There's he's like not a, a great person. Major just, conflict in this one. Yeah. yeah. Like big time. Um, he also starts having an affair with someone whose name I can't even try to pronounce. I would say that's. R. Lee, but I can't say the last name. Yeah. Um, Schlegel? She was, his, she was his friend from school. They start having an affair. And he has two children with her. Emily, <gasps> who was born in 1933, and Oscar Jr., who was born in 1935. Uh, there's something so... Mm, can't find the word. Fascinating about people who name their quote-unquote illegitimate children after themselves. Yeah, I, here's the thing. I think that the mother named Oscar Jr. because later he tries to say that that's not his son. He, like, disowns him and says that's not his son. So I'm pretty sure that the mother named him. You know what? Now that you say that, it probably was common for, like, the quote-unquote mistress to to do that as a way of, like, yeah, he's definitely the dad. Hello. Why else would I have named him that? Yeah. Fair. Um, Okay. All right. Point taken. Got it. He will also have several more mistresses throughout the story. Uh, none of them 
give him children. So that's the only one I'm going to mention because he has a lot of them. Gotcha. I mean, he cannot possibly top Henry VIII. So <laughs> in terms of mistresses. Oh, so, you know, we don't really even need to go there, I think. Yeah. Well, and there are also a lot of years like on and off where him and his wife live apart. Sure. So, you know. Even though Schindler is a Czechoslovakian citizen, he he's ethnically German, but he was born in what is now Czechoslovakia. Well, um, no. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, the war happened. Oh, okay, you're talking now in the story. In. I thought you yes. were talking now, like, present day. And I was no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> in the story. <laughs> so complicated. Um, so even though he's a citizen, he joins the S- Sudeten, I believe. Sure. Uh, German party in 1935. Uh, it's a group of Germans in Czechoslovakia that are against the new government, and it's basically just a precursor to the Nazi party. Right, 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 Czech. right, right. Uh, in 1936, he becomes a spy for a name that I can't say, because nope. it's definitely German. Uh, but it's the military intelligence service of Nazi Germany. So this is when he really leans in. Uh, to the Nazis. <laughs> um, at one point, because he will get arrested later, he tells the Czech police that he only joined because he needed money, which is actually pretty believable because he was, like, drinking a lot and was in debt and just yeah. had kids with his mistress. So, he like, seems, up to this point, not so much the type of person who joins something like this because he has strong political feelings, but yeah. instead out of necessity. Yes. Or desperation. And even though he's a bad business person in general, he's he's a pretty like sly dude, which you wouldn't get because of how bad he is. He's out to survive. He's out to survive. And he always sees a good opportunity and he sees that these people are gaining power. So he understands that if he gets in and does a good job for them, It'll be good for him in the long run. He's an entrepreneur. He sure is. <laughs> um, he works as a spy, um, and it has him collecting information on railways, military installations, and troop movements. And he's also tasked with recruiting other spies in the area. And all of this was in preparation for the Nazi invasion of Czechoslovakia. So he had a hand in a lot of that work. Cool. He is arrested by the Czech government and imprisoned on July 18th, 1938. Doing great. Um, But he is released under the Munich Agreement because that area of Czechoslovakia had just been annexed into Germany. Right. So he couldn't be a political prisoner anymore because it was Germany now. Right, right. So he got incredibly lucky. Uh Uh-huh. Which is a big part of his life. I was going to say, not for the first time. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, no, no. So after all of this work that he's been doing, he finally applies to be a member of the Nazi party. And is I'm sorry. I'm so I... sorry. Can we pause? Yeah. Applies to be a member of the yeah. Nazi party is like absurd to me. Yeah. And it takes them like a year to accept him too. So like he genuinely, like there was like, genuinely an application process. There was. Isn't that wild? I think a lot of people never Ugh. applied and just like were Nazis. But Well, like... yeah. I think in that day they would have called themselves sympathizers. Yes. But the truth is, you know, Um, like, if you agree with the Nazis, you're a Nazi, basically. So. And this is also early days of the party. So they're still, like, formalizing. But it's so so interesting, though, because it just, like, tells you something about the intent of the Nazi party from the beginning. Because what they presented themselves as was, like, a political party. Like, the Democrats. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have to apply to be a, a member of the Democrats or a member nope. of the Republicans. But that's what nope. they were like presenting themselves. You know, we're a political party. Yeah. Not to compare either of those parties to right. Nazis. But, but like that is where they were. They needed to make sure that they were choosing the right people to yes. be a part of their party. So which interesting. Is their whole thing. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. I hadn't even thought about that. I read that how many times when I was taking my notes and I hadn't even like. Well, it's just not a phrase you hear yeah. a No, lot. it's not. Yeah. Um, he's accepted in 1939. Uh, he is in and out of Poland for the next year as part of his spy work. He's collecting information in preparation for the Nazi invasion of Poland, which has a huge population of European Jews. Like oh, one yes. of the largest in Europe. Yes. Uh, Schindler moves to Krakow, Poland. Krakow. In what? Yeah. Krakow. Yeah. 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 I that put one a I know. pronunciation because I didn't want to mess it up because I well, have to say it a lot. That one I know. Yeah. Um, I watched a lot of documentaries. <laughs> he moves there in November 1939. Krakow is one of Poland's largest cities, which is home to somewhere between 50,000 and 80,000 Jews. After he arrives, he starts to make some black market contacts. Like, with this man's name is a lot. Leopold, his nickname is Poldek, so he's mm-hmm. called that a lot. Pfefferberg. Uh, Pfefferberg, I believe. Yeah, Pfefferberg. His, his Americanized name is Leopold Page. He, he'll, that's... Sure, the same. Yes. If you've heard his, If you've heard that, that that's who it is. <laughs> Those are um, the same names. <laughs> he also meets the Jewish accountant Isaac Stern, and both of these men will become pretty impor- important Yes. For his work later. Because the Nazis begin seizing Jewish property and businesses after they invade Poland, some business opportunities begin opening up for Schindler because all of these people have to give up their property and they have to sell. And so... And he's an entrepreneur, so... And he's an entrepreneur. And so a lot of German uh, Nazis moving in start buying up businesses and stuff. Right. Uh, Schindler is thinking of acquiring an enamelware factory. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> sure why not oh, of course he is um stern the jewish accountant advises him to buy it and have no trustees so he can have the freedom to hire whoever he wants which means the freedom to hire jews because it's cheaper right because the nazi party set wages for jewish workers and they didn't set wa- wages for polish workers so the wages were set real Shocking. low so it was real cheap Shocking to hear that. Yeah. But what a strange concept. Um, So he buys this factory, uh, settles on it. Uh, Initially, his workers are actually mostly non-Jewish Poles. But later on, he'll begin hiring more Jewish workers. We'll get into that. The factory becomes known as Amalia. And at the peak of Amalia's success in 1944, this is a jump, but this is just an interesting number, a thousand of the seventeen hundred workers were Jewish. Wow. Yeah. And in, so in nineteen by nineteen forty four, like that's Oh that was like when they were really year, starting to Yeah. Like they were trying to clear everybody out. Yeah. And so, not a year you ex- you would expect that many that Jewish to be the people number. to be yeah. in the same place. Yep. 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 Uh not in a camp, is no, what no, I'm no. saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were in a camp. We'll get into that later. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you don't you don't think of that as one of the camps. Yeah. 
I don't I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's a large well, concentration we will, we will, of Jewish people in 1944 to be yes. working in one place. Yeah. Yes. In Poland. Yeah. Um, Schindler uses his connections to make his fac- factory the one that will produce enamel cookware for the army. So ah. it make this makes his factory essential to the war effort. Which okay. initially just meant that he was going to make a lot of money off the war. Right. But later, this fact will help him protect his workers. It becomes very important that he's essential to the war effort as time goes on. Right. In 1940, a decree was issued that all Krakow Jews, except for those who were, quote, essential to the war effort, had to leave the city. Uh, Schindler begins hiring more Jews so so that they can stay in the city. So he uses a lot of his Jewish contacts to find names of folks and starts hiring them up so they don't have to leave. So he's not to the point yet where he's like actively supporting these people, but he realizes that they're living in a terrible situation and knows that he can help a little bit by hiring them on. Well, and it just, I think, goes to show again that his whole motive for joining the party was... More not that of, he hated Jewish people. <laughs> well, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, more like that he is a power grab, which is still terrible. Yeah. Yes. But. Yeah. But, you know, at least he didn't. Because there were a lot of people who joined the party because they hated Jewish people. Right. And he was not one of those people. At the very uh, least. At the very <laughs> least, we can give him that. Ugh. Um, The 15,000 Jews remaining in Krakow were moved to a newly walled-in area known as the Krakow Ghetto. And that's where they lived. It was a right. very small portion of the city that they had walled off for them to live in. Mm-hmm. Over the next three years, Schindler begins hiring more Jewish workers. And this is when he starts to actually attempt to help these people. Um, a lot of them get threatened with deportation. Mm-hmm. And so he always claims that, like, even the women and children were necessary workers so that families wouldn't get separated. Right. Right. Um, and he, this is when he starts bribing people to keep, you know, these people Keep his safe. workers there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also adds an armaments division to his factory. I think it's pretty small at this point, but this helps him make a better case for his factory being essential to the war effort. So, like, sure. now is he not, he's also making weapons as well as general stuff that they need that's made out of enamel, you know? Sure. Yeah. Over the years that he owns this factory, he also expands it to include an outpatient clinic, a co-op, a kitchen, and a dining room for his workers. So now they are able to spend more time there. They eat better because they can eat at work, and he mm. can arrange to have, you know, enough food for all of he them. He can supply the food instead of them having to buy the very little that they can afford. Mm-hmm. And it's still not a lot, but it's better than everybody else was getting. Sure. On March 13th, 1943, the Krakow ghetto is set to be liquidated. Those fit to work were to be sent to the newly built concentration camp at Plashov, and those unfit to work were either sent to extermination camps or were murdered in the streets of the ghetto. Ugh. It's awful. It's terrible. If you've seen Schindler's if you've seen Schindler's list, this is oh the worst God. part. It's the worst part. Oh, it's so depressing. Oh, it's so bad. Um Schindler's contacts allow him to find out about this beforehand, so he lets all of his workers stay the night at the factory, so that they wouldn't even be threatened with right. 
any of that. When because, they're out raiding, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of his workers weren't fit to work. He right. was just keeping them on. And so if they had gone back, he would have lost a bunch of his workforce that he was just protecting. Like, he, right. that people who actually weren't working, they were just around. So he made sure that they all stayed, stayed safe by letting them stay. Right. Schindler witnesses the liquidation. Like, he sees it happen. And after this point is when he understands that he can't ignore what's happening anymore. Well, hmm. Yeah. He would later say, Beyond this day, no thinking person could fail to see what would happen. I was now resolved to do everything in my power to defeat the system. That just is like, but here's, okay, here's my issue, though. <laughs> yeah. Beyond this day, I couldn't ignore it anymore. But you have been ignoring it this whole time. Yeah. Yep. Like, <sighs> they were being treated poorly before this. This was just, like, mass it's, murder that he It's witnessed. one of those, like, until it affected you, yeah. you didn't seem to care. Not, yeah. like, it, not, I mean, he was protecting these people beforehand but until it was like a direct threat on these specific people yeah he was able to ignore it Mm -hmm. and that's so frustrating well it's a combination of that that until it was a direct threat and also him actively seeing the violence seeing it happen yeah yeah because up to that point he had only been hearing about it or seeing its effects but not seeing it right but see like witnessing that much violence may i think was the nail in the coffin like made him understand and it's frustrating because it's like i totally understand like sometimes it really does take something like that to happen but Mm -hmm. like in a situation as extreme as this it's like when he was in a position to do something yes and the fact that anybody could have ignored it is just like it's mind-boggling to me i mean i wasn't alive then i'm not a jewish person so yeah you know if i had been alive then my thoughts may have been different and that's just the truth yeah i'm a white german person but Mm -hmm. I just, like, oh, oh, like, yeah, yeah, you know, history, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's like, ah, oh, it's so infuriating. Yeah. So that scene in Schindler's List, there's a girl who's wearing, like, a red coat. She's, like, oh, running around yes. the city. That was based on a real person. There I was know. apparently a little girl who lived in the ghetto who wore a red coat around. I've heard that story. And I was reading today, I was reading about the movie, and apparently the little girl who played that part, Steven Spielberg made her promise that she wouldn't watch the movie until she turned 18. Well, yeah. Yeah. And apparently she said she watched it when she was 11 and was so busted up about it that she was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I should have listened. Yeah. Oh. So after this point, his mission is no longer just to protect his workers, but to attempt to save as many Jewish people as he could. Right. So it wasn't just that he wanted to keep his workers safe. He wanted to get workers so he could make sure they were safe. Mm-hmm. Amon Goth, I believe is how you say his name, mm-hmm. um, is the worst. <laughs> uh-huh. Is He is per- put in charge of the Plashov camp, and he's played by... What's his name? Voldemort. Oh. Yeah, uh, Ray Fiennes. Yes, and looks exactly like him. Yeah. It's really Ray Fiennes scary. is, um... Ralph Fiennes, he can, right? Well, it's pronounced right. Oh, is uh, he? Yeah. Huh. Um, he can be pretty scary. Yes, he Like, sure outside can. of the Voldemort stuff. I mean, like, <laughs> as a person. <laughs> I watched this movie for the first time pretty recently, and I spent the whole time going, 
oh my god, he looks so young every time yeah. he was on screen. But somehow the same. Yeah. 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 So Goth is incredibly violent and is known for just like randomly shooting or torturing the pre- prisoners for no reason, which wasn't wasn't uncommon but was a little uncommon because violence against prisoners in camps usually was like they did something wrong even if something wrong was like walk slow like he literally would just like randomly point to a person and shoot them yeah he was horrible um he he was not the only one no he was not no he was not uh he initially wants to move all of the nearby factories into the camp so that they can have full control over it Schindler manages to use his connections and a lot of bribes to convince Goth to let him build a sub-camp of the Plashov camp at Amalia. So at his own expense, he builds housing for his 1,000 Jewish workers, and he also allows another 450 Jewish workers who are working at a nearby factory live in his facilities. So he feeds them, they are allowed to do orig- religious observances there, like, at everything. They it's are like not... a safe haven under the guise of a camp. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing about his factory was that it was not that productive. He he didn't make them work that hard. Yeah, it's not really about the work <laughs> because at this point. he, we'll talk about this in a second, just used a lot of his black market dealings to make it look like he was producing more than he was. Right. Uh, so it really was, like, for the situation that everybody was in, working at his factory was a best-case scenario. Right. Yeah. So, over the years that he owns this factory, Schindler gets arrested three times. I'm gonna talk a little bit about each of them. Uh, in 1941, Schindler gets arrested for some of his black market dealings, which is not surprising. Well, Um, sure. He's kept overnight, but he quickly is released because he has a lot of connections and ways around you know covering up what he does on april 29th 1942 he is arrested because on the day before at his birthday party at his factory he had kissed a jewish girl on the cheek which was against the nuremberg laws you weren't allowed to have relations with jewish people Mm. but he literally just like she, I think she, like, gave him the cake or something, and he blew I'm out the candles and kissed her on the cheek. And he got so arrested. Angry. He I'm got so arrested. Angry. <laughs> I'm so mad. Because <laughs> there were soldiers who were, like, sexually oh, no, assaulting Jewish workers. Oh, no, I know. And he kissed a girl on the cheek and got arrested for five days before he managed to get out. Horrible. Horrible. It's just the worst. Continue. Um... <laughs> This is a quick aside. In 1943, members of a Jewish resistance movement in Budapest contact Schindler, and he starts meeting with them to report on the Nazis' mistreatment of Jews. A double agent. So, yes, (laughs) in many ways. In 1944, Goethe is arrested for corruption and abuses of power. Hmm. Schindler gets arrested during the investigation of Goethe because they find out that he had bribed him and they find out about a lot of his black marketeering and, like, they tell, that you know, they accuse him of bribing people to try to improve the lives of his workers, which is How dare true. You? True. 
but he's released after about a week because he manages to get out of it. Um, but that was the longest time he was in jail, and that was the time where it uh, was like looked like he might have got got right. He he really could have gotten in really big trouble this time, and he was yeah. like again very lucky that he managed to wiggle his way out of that. Slippery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Goth is never convicted during this trial. But after the war, he is hanged for his war crimes. Yes, so. he is. <laughs> so. So, Goth got got. He, he sure did. He sure did. Um, in 1944, the Red Army begins closing in on Germany and its surrounding territories. So, the SS, which is like the uh, police force, I guess, yeah. of the uh, Nazi in, party, yeah. starts closing all the easternmost camps because that's where the russians will come first um and starts sending prisoners to auschwitz and gross rosen which are further west right they planned on closing all the factories that weren't essential essential to the war effort and now that they're nearing the end of the war schindler's enamelware is no longer considered essential right we don't need plates anymore yes so he is in A really, really scary position. Mm -hmm. So, Schindler makes a plan to make his factory exclusively produce armaments so that he can continue to be essential. And he moves it to Brunlitz so that it can be made a subcamp of Grossrosen. So, he's uh, continuing to try and make sure that these people won't be sent to a camp and can continue to work for him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, with the help of Goff's Jewish secretary, Mitek Pemper, and a Jewish ghetto police officer who named Marcel Goldberg, Schindler compiles a list of 12,000 Jews, a hundred or 1,000 that are from his factory, and another 200 from a nearby textile factory that are to be sent to his new factory instead of to the camps. Hence, is- Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Yes. Um... In the movie, all of these people that helped him are, like, all uh, stern. Like, they all become stern. But there were actually many, many different, like, Jewish people who had gotten themselves into a high enough position that they could help, but not so high a position that they were, like, well-known. Yeah, the character stern in the movie embodies all of these people. All of the Jewish people that helped him... Become it's a whole a thing person. with, like, it's easier yeah. to portray through one person. It's like a film thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's important that we know the names it of is. all of those people who actually helped him. I'm brushing off the film thing. So yes. <laughs> yeah. um, the train carrying the 700 men from Schindler's List is initially sent to Grossrosen, where they stay for about a week before they are rerouted to Schindler's factory. The train carrying the 300 women from the list is sent to Auschwitz, and they are almost sent to the gas chambers. It's, like, really (sighs) close. You know, prisoners show up, and the people who are working there are supposed to have lists of, like, who is and isn't to be sent, and they weren't paying attention, almost sent all of his workers well, plus, at this point, they're nearing the end of the war, and the Nazis are getting, they're starting to panic Yeah, in terms of their mission not reaching its end point and so they just start killing everyone enforcing yeah yeah everyone um and so like they were really lucky that somebody managed to say oh not this group 
which yeah. is horrible for everyone else, but like it's terrible to think that's, about. That's that's three hundred people's lives that got saved because he put their name on a list. You know, yeah. They're stuck at Auschwitz for several weeks before Schindler finally manages to get the right bribes to get their release. Like he, they got sent there, and he immediately started working. Like they're not supposed to be there. They're supposed to be at my factory, and it wasn't right. working for a little while. It took him like a long time to finally be able to get them. And he still had to bribe them out. Instead yeah, of, you know. even though he had already bribed them onto a list. Like right, yeah. And like also think about how many people like managed to sneak their way onto those trains going to. Oh, his factory. absolutely. Yeah, like. Like, that's just the numbers that were on his list. I'm sure Easiest it was more. means of escape. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was higher. The I'm people sure who just too. snuck on. I'm just going to read this whole little quote here because I think it's interesting. In addition to workers, Schindler moved 250 wagon loads of machinery and raw materials to the new factory. Few, if any, useful artillery shells were produced at the plant. I read somewhere that, like, over the eight months it was open, I think, like, one train load of arms got sent out and most of them were um broken they didn't work they were putting out broken products right huh uh when officials from the armaments ministry questioned the factory's low output schindler bought finished goods on the black market and resold them as his own so he just continues to sneaky sneaky yeah uh, the rations provided by the SS were insufficient to meet the needs of the workers, so Schindler spent most of his time in Krakow obtaining food, armaments, any other materials that they needed. His wife, Emily, remained in Brunlitz, uh, trying to obtain additional rations and caring for the workers' health and other basic, basic needs. Schindler also arranged for the transfer of as many as 3,000 Jewish women out of Auschwitz to small textile plants in the Sutenland and in an effort to increase their chances of surviving the war. So I'm not sure if all of them did, but he managed to get more people out of camps. Yeah. A large number, too. A large number. In January of 1945, a trainload of 200 and and 50 Jews who had been rejected at workers in a mine in Poland uh, arrive at his factory. The boxcars were frozen shut when they arrived, and his wife waited while an engineer from the factory opened the cars using a soldering iron. Twelve people had died from the cold, and the remainder were too ill or feeble to work, but Emily took them in and cared for them in their hospital until the end of the war. God, yeah. it's horrific. It's, it's all horrific. It's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, Schindler spends the rest of the war spending basically all of his money keeping the factory running and bribing officials to keep his workers safe. Because they they know the war is ending. They know that the Russians are coming. The it's Americans waiting are it out, in. basically. And he basically just has to wait it out because they're so antsy waiting yeah. it out that they just want to get rid of everyone. And so he's and, just you know, like... And- the British actually are coming. Now. Yes, they sure are this week. They are yes, this week. They are coming this time. More immediately, the Russians and the Americans, but yeah, yes. But you know, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the episode on Sam Adams. Like <laughs> thing. If you're not American, like, you won't get it. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Um, on May 7th, 1945, he and his workers gather on the factory floor to listen to the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill announce over the radio that Germany has surrendered and the war in Europe is over. Finally. Finally. 
Because Schindler is still a member of the Nazi party and was formerly a spy, he is in danger of getting arrested as a war criminal. Even though he hasn't participated in how many well, years Well, but he's a, he's a member of the Nazi he's party. He's a member of the party. So yeah. therefore he is a Nazi. Yep. You know. Um, some of his workers write a statement that he could present to the Russians or Americans if he got arrested that attests to his role in saving Jewish lives. They also give him a gold signet ring that is inscribed, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Um, nobody knows what happened to that ring. Some people say he sold it off. Other people think he just lost it in the lots and lots of moving that he does after this. Nobody knows. Well, it um, very well also could have been seized by whoever arrested him. Yep. And not yep. released back to him. Yeah. Yep. Um, they found recently, I was reading... Um, the iron um, cast of the ring that they used to make oh to make it the actual ring. Some Holocaust survivor's uh, descendant found it in a box of like his dad's stuff. Whoa, that's yeah. amazing! That he was like about to throw away. Oh, <gasps> and he found it in there. Um, and it's what they wow. used to make the mold, and then they used the gold. Um, was from people's teeth. From, like, the teeth of his workers. Oh, oh sure. well, that makes sense. Yeah, they Where gathered it they... up and they melted it down and they gave yeah. it to him. Where else would they have gotten gold? I hadn't even thought about that. Yep. Yep. So that'll be in a museum at some point. So if we ever find it. No, 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 the mold. Oh, it is. It's in, um, I think in Australia because I think that's where that guy's um, father or grandfather oh, or whatever I see, I see. ended up living. So that's where he donated it to the wow. Holocaust Museum in Australia, I think. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, it wasn't like, it was some time in the 2000s. It might have been in, even in the 10s. It was not that long ago that they found yeah. it and it, now it's on display. Mm-hmm. Wow. Schindler flees the factory with his wife, uh, a mistress, I don't know of who, uh, some, some Jewish workers and most of his possessions. Their car is seized by Russians, and they're not able to retrieve all of their possessions. I think they get some of it, but they lost, like, a diamond that they had. Like, a lot of their valuable stuff, obviously, Mm. is taken. And Um, now they have no money, because they've been spending it all. Yep. They travel by train or by foot until they reach the American, I think, treaty lines or whatever. Uh Uh, They eventually meet with an American Jewish officer who arranges their safe passage to Switzerland, who I'm sure was in contact with... um, his workers managed to get him to a safe place. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, like we were saying, Schindler had spent nearly everything that he had on bribes and black market goods for his workers during the war. So now he's essentially destitute. For several years after the war, he bounces between a bunch of German cities trying to start some kind of business. Entrepreneur. <laughs> he lives largely off of assistance from Jewish organizations that are like set up to help jews after the war like they also help him um in 1948 he presents a claim for reimbursement for of his wartime expenses to the american jewish joint distribution committee and receives fifteen thousand dollars from them he estimates his expenditures at over one million fifty six thousand dollars I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah, which is how much in today's money. Like, right, right. Um, which included costs of the subcamp constructions, bribes, expenditures for black market goods, food, you know, other supplies that he used to keep folks alive. I'm sure medical supplies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
1949, he moves to Argentina with his wife and attempts to run a farm there. He goes bankrupt in 1958. He and his wife finally separate (laughs) after years of him cheating on her and them living separately for, like, really, really long amounts of time. They they finally separate. Um, She stays in Argentina and he moves back to Germany. After returning to Germany, he tries and fails at several business ventures. Again. Again. He declares bankruptcy in 1963. Yeah. Um, And is financially supported by donations from Schindler Jews. That's what they called themselves, his workers, uh, for the rest of his life. So they they donate to support him. him after he, you know, did the same for them in their lives. Which is like, on the one hand, it's like, okay, yes, but also like... Not really the same extremes. No, oh no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh no. I, it just shows like how gracious those people were. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It, and especially because he could have done a lot more. Like it was the stuff he that he did He could have started was, a lot sooner. Yes, yeah. yeah. And when he started, I'm sure he did just about everything he basically could without getting kicked out or killed. And he knew if he got kicked out or killed, he wasn't going to be able to help those people anymore. So he had to toe that line for a really long time. So It's a fascinating situation. Yeah. On May 8th, 1962, he is invited to Yad Vashem, I believe is how you say that? I think Which is the World Holocaust Remembrance Center in Israel for a ceremony to plant a tree in his honor on the Avenue of the Righteous, which is like a garden in the Remembrance Center. In 1964, he suffers from a heart attack and is in the hospital for six months. Oscar Schindler dies penniless and largely unknown on October 9th, 1974. The Schindler Jews lobbied to have his body moved to Israel. He is now buried in Jerusalem on Mount Zion, and he is the only member of the Nazi party to have this honor. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, go, I think on the anniversary of his death or i don't know and put rocks on his grave yes i've heard that as well mm-hmm. poldek pfefferberg who you'll remember from the beginning of our story was a schindler jew he was one of uh schindler's first black market contacts and he worked in his factory for a really long time spends basically the rest of his life telling just about anyone he can about schindler because he wants to make sure that that story is known in 1980, he meets author Thomas Kenley. 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 I, I think know. it's Kenley, um, and tells him Schindler's story. In 1982, Kenley writes a fictionalized version of Schindler's story called Schindler's Ark, which is published as Schindler's List in America. Right. And in 1993, Steven Spielberg adapts the novel into a film called Schindler's List, which is why we know. I, basically anything about Schindler. Yeah. The fact that a lot, you know, all those people he saved survived and told his story and that a couple of people wrote some stuff about him. That's, like, why he survived as long as he could. That The movie is, I think, if that novel hadn't done well, if that movie hadn't get made, got made, his story would have just been, like, one in thousands in a library yeah, somewhere. one only a certain group of people would know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On June 24th, 1993, Schindler and his wife are named Righteous Among Nations, which is an award given by the State of Israel to non-Jews who played an active role in saving Jewish lives during the Holocaust. And I think there's, like, 
under 10 Nazis who received that award. So he's one of very few. There were several drafts and versions of Schindler's famous list that he made, um, and several copies of these still exist and are preserved today and are in um, libraries and museums all over the world. Um, But that's it. That's why we know him. That's his life. Uh, I know this was a really depressing episode. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it's so interesting because it's like, on the one hand, you're like, oh my god, he was a Nazi. That's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, because Nazis are the scourge of the earth. Um, but also, like, if he had never joined the party, he would not have been in a position to, to save, save those these people's people. lives. So it's like mm-hmm. a very weird conflict of emotions. Yeah. We, we try and keep it mostly light and fun on this podcast but his story is really important and oh it's wildly important and it's like sometimes bad people do good things and he was a he was not a great person like he was cheated on his wife he tried to hoard up all his money and he was a nazi he was a nazi and you know you know um but he did like he saved thousands and thousands of people's lives that like would have just totally gotten forgotten or yeah yeah like he he recognized that he was in a position to do something and unlike a lot of people he actually did something yeah i just think that's really interesting and i wanted to do an episode on him because i wanted to see um after i watched the movie i wanted to see what was different about his life from Mm. the movie and actually the movie did a pretty good job i think got it pretty accurate it it makes him a little more of a hero than he actually was well sure it's a movie um, because we need to root for him and also it's based on a novel so in the novel he was probably made more of a hero yes because you know you have to have a hero in a novelization but i also think they did a, a a pretty good job of showing that he wasn't a great person he's not perfect he's not perfect um but that's him. Should we that's do some autofill? Yeah, hit it. Let's do was Oscar Schindler German. Uh, yes and no. Yes. Yeah. Ethnically German, yeah. but a citizen of Czechoslovakia. Uh, was Oscar Schindler tried? No. I'm pretty sure no. he was never tried. I think he managed to um, stay away from that. I don't think he was tried that I remember. Uh, was Oscar Schindler given a ring? He was, but we don't know what happened to it. Where is it? Who knows? Uh, a hero. Mm. Now that's an interesting that's question, an interesting isn't question. it? That's the whole question. That is the whole question. Mm. I I would answer he did some heroic things. Yes. But I he wouldn't did. call him a hero as yes, a person. Yes, I agree. But I think he, I... Had, he performed heroic actions. I agree. I agree. Was Oscar Schindler rich? No. <laughs> Not at the end of his life. <laughs> no. Not at the end no. of his life. Married? Yes, he was. Mm. Captured? I don't think so. I th- I don't think you could technically say he was captured. No. Some of his stuff was seized, but I don't think he was ever captured. Right. Um, pardoned? I, I assume so. I-, I would guess that he would have had to have been... That's technicalities that we'd have to look into a little more, I think. Yeah. Let's do is and see. These if are I... good questions. I know. I'm doing is and see if I get look anything Look at you, else. Google. Is Oscar Schindler German? Yes and no. <laughs> is I mean, Oscar yes. Schindler related to Schindler Elevator? <laughs> what? 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 Well, now I have to find out what that is. 
What? Oh, oh my god, it's a company. The first thing that came up was Schindler Elevator Pittsburgh. It's just an elevator company. Huh. I think I just assumed No, that there's was no the there's no connection. <laughs> there's no connection. Welcome to the Schindler group. Elevators, escalators, and moving something. Huh. Okay. This thing says Schindler was a very common German surname. Meaning shingle. And used widely throughout Western Europe. Wait, meaning what? Shingle. Oh. They must have been rovers at some point in his life. Yeah. Well, there's Google for you. There you go. All right. Well, um, thank you for that story, man. It was very interesting. Yeah, I I I I always find that stuff really interesting. And we hadn't done anything... In that time period yet, and... We hadn't done anything quite so depressing. That's not true. The Romanovs were The Romanovs were very depressing. Um, But I uh, find World War II very interesting. I find a lot of things in history very interesting, obviously, Mm -hmm. but... um, (laughs) No. No. Who, me? (laughs) That's just why we have this podcast. Who, me? Um, But I thought this was a a good way to dip our toes into that time period. Yeah. Um, this I, is a quick aside for you, sis. I saw a post earlier that says, oh, you like history? Name everything that ever happened. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, my and God. And that's I, our podcast. Welcome female, to our podcast. As a female Name, sports fan, I really felt that. Really Name difficult. everything that has ever happened. Um, <laughs> I don't know what we'll be covering next time because I have not decided on a topic. Great. But, Welcome um, to my life. You know, if you have suggestions, if you have things you'd like to have us talk about or research, we would love to do that. You can yeah, send for sure. those to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at rttpod. I saw somebody recommend the podcast the other day that was really nice. Wait, let me find that person's name because I want to give them a little shout yeah. out here. Um, Aaliyah Dye. I hope I'm saying your first name oh, right. Oh, yeah. I know her. <laughs> oh, you know her? Well, uh-huh. she recommended the podcast to somebody Aww. the other day. That was really nice. That's so um, sweet. Love that. Thanks, so, Leah. It's so nice when you guys recommend the podcast. It makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, or when you just talk about the podcast. Um, so follow us on Twitter. Spread the word. Um, we're also on Facebook. If you are still on Facebook and are, like, interested in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. Oh, sorry, I'm spacing out. I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Wow. That was amazing. Yeah, it was like um, really, really spacing. I was like waiting for you to finish the thought. And, um, and um, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever. Um, yeah, leave us, give a, us review. a rating. Yes, yeah. rating and review. Um, I love reading them, even if they're not always nice. <laughs> you know uh, who you are. <laughs> happy to see the reviews, though. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. Well then, until next time, remember that time. <laughs> <laughs>